Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. In this episode, I'm going to be interviewing Nigel Humans. I think I, that's the right way to say his last name. He's Dutch, and recently I made his acquaintance. We had a short coaching call. We kind of caught up on some of the things he was working on. I was blown away with some of the techniques, and more than that, I was blown away with the results that he was getting. So he's been able to earn quite a lot of money in a short time. He's using some techniques that are, I guess they're fairly straightforward. They're simple when he describes them, but they're very powerful in the results that he's been able to get. So it's very exciting. I think this is going to be an episode where probably a lot of you will be learning something new or at least like hearing about something like a private blog network, for example, which is a gray hat link building technique that maybe you never really thought about using, you never really considered it, that is a little bit riskier than not using a private blog network, but the results that Nigel is getting are pretty amazing. Now, there's another piece of the puzzle, which I'm not going to explain yet, but you may already have sort of an idea what's going on. I also want to give a quick plug to Nigel's landing page. He put up a website so that you could sign up for his email list. It's over at digitalyoungster.com. He's a fairly young guy, which is pretty cool. And you could sign up, check out his stuff. He's going to be publishing more things in the future. So do check it out. We talk about it a little bit in the interview. So thanks to Nigel for taking the time. And let's hear a story. So Nigel, how's it going today? Hi, what's up? I'm Nigel and uh, yeah, fine. Thanks. Thanks for the invitation. So I want to get to the punchline right away so we can understand what you've been able to accomplish in kind of a short amount of time. And then we'll learn more about you personally and some of the details. So just so people understand what you've accomplished, what were your say, earnings and your traffic numbers from December of 2020, just to give them kind of a snapshot. Yeah, sure. My traffic was uh, 68,000 visitors in uh, December only for one site. And the earnings uh, with that were 11,000 something euros in December from that one site. Okay. And I forgot that you would probably give the revenue in euros. So that is probably yeah. roughly what, like $15,000, something like that? Uh, yeah. $14,000, $15,000, something like that. Yeah. All right. Congratulations. That's a great milestone. When Thanks. did you start working on this site? Uh, in September 2019, I started uh, just blogging. I really had little idea of uh, SEO or affiliate marketing. Back in the day, I used to sell a product, but then affiliates promote my product. So this is like the other way around. Yeah, I figured figured out this business model and I thought, this is really interesting. So I just went for it. And every day from, I think, yeah, September 2019, I'm working on uh, the affiliate marketing business. And yeah, it's really working well for me. Okay. So a little bit over a year. And like I said, we're going to get into some of the details because you're doing some things that are kind of unconventional from, you know, the mainstream standpoint of, you know, niche authority sites and that sort of thing. So pretty awesome. And do you happen to know like the total amount that you've earned over the course of the year plus or so? 
amount I earned from that website in 2020 was 30,000 euros. But then, yeah, again, in dollars, it's much more, but <laughs> it's uh, 30,000. Awesome. And how many sites do you have um, in your portfolio right now? Right now, there are like five sites that I'm really making money with, but this site is, yeah, far the biggest by far. What are the revenue streams? Are you just earning from one source or a few different places? And you don't have to name all of them, but just kind of give us an idea of what's going on here. Yeah, I have like 15 different revenue streams, but yeah, not all are uh, big as uh, as they are. I got three revenue streams that are, yeah, like the biggest and then three or four that are something below that. And then like the other is, yeah, a couple of, I don't know how many bucks, but not much. <laughs> okay, cool. So you're probably earning from, you know, you said like the top three sources uh, for across the five sites and is one of the sites earning a lot more than the others? Like, do we have a typical 80-20 situation with your five sites? Something like that. Over 2020, one site was then 30,000 euros, one site uh, 12, and then one, two, one, one, and 400. So like one big, one not that big, and rest is like, yeah, 80-20. Okay. That's amazing. That's uh, pretty amazing progress. And let's get to know you a little bit. So yeah. Who are you? What's your profession? Do you have a full-time gig? And yeah, just a little bit about um, how you got into this too. I'm 22 years old only, and I'm currently living in the Netherlands. I'm also born and raised here. When I was 14, I started actually an internet marketing company, but then I just created my own digital product. So it was a video course or an ebook that I sold, and then other affiliates promoted that product. Then I did a workshop and then I quit for like four years, just living the teenage life. And then I, in, in 2019, so I was 19 when I started doing this again. Then I was in school, but now, yeah, I quit school because I thought you can't learn this in school. And this business model is so great that, yeah, I don't need school for this. So I just quit school and now full-time affiliate marketing. Yeah, I mean, you're making more or you made more last month than I made for several years. And actually thinking about like all your sites all together, you probably made more last month than I made it any month in my professional career. So yeah, you're doing, you're doing a good job. Thanks. Were, I guess like when, when you quit school, did you get a lot of pushback from like family and friends? Do people think you're crazy? Like any issues with that? Uh, not really much. My parents were like, oh, are you sure you can do this? And of course, they had a little bit of trust in me because like when I was at primary school, they, yeah, I also did that. Um, so yeah, why not? Can I do it again? But um, yeah, like my girlfriend was very supportive and still is. And uh, yeah, not really. I was just, yeah, very sure of myself that I could do this. <laughs> And you're getting the results too. So it's hard to argue with the actual results that you're getting. <laughs> exactly. That's pretty cool. So I think you're probably using the same kind of methods to you know publish content and rank it across all of your sites. So we could just sort of pick one, the big site that's earning most of the money and getting most of the traffic and kind of talk about how and why it's working so well. So why do you think you've been able to get traction so quickly, especially when, you know, a lot of people, even myself will say, Hey, you know, six months before you hit 
$100 or you know maybe it's going to take a year before you hit $1000 or some people are saying hey it's going to take you a couple years to really get much traction at all so how do you do this so quickly yeah well i think there's not really a secret but i think there's something that most people don't think of because um like the most of the affiliate marketers in the world are from the usa or an english based country and um, yeah, I'm from the Netherlands, so I'm a native Dutch speaker and I also speak a little bit of German. So um, what I did is what I built a site in my own language. And then after that, I translated it into another language that I was familiar with. So I think just avoiding the whole, yeah, like avoiding the whole um, affiliate marketing world and going to a different direction by choosing another country to, to market in. Very good. So that means most of your revenue is from the Dutch, uh, the, the Netherlands Amazon associate program and other related. Uh, it's funny in March, 2020, uh, Amazon just started in uh, the Netherlands. So their market share is pretty small. So I've got different revenue channels for uh, the Netherlands, but in Germany, for example, I uh, do have Amazon as my highest revenue channel there. It's my biggest revenue channel there in Germany. Okay. So everyone listen and pay attention if you were starting to zone out. So Nigel's earning from the international Amazon associate programs and the Netherlands, I think they just rolled out their associates program, right? So are the commission rates better because it's a new program? Yeah, uh, that's true. The Amazon uh, affiliate commission in the Netherlands is 10% right now. And in Germany, it's 7%. Okay. So just right off the bat, it's kind of a, a game changer. Those numbers are so different than what we're working with in the US or Canada or UK or some of the other, I guess, more established associates programs. You did say that you weren't earning as much because from Amazon Netherlands mm -hmm. because it's a brand new program. So people, I guess you guys don't order as much stuff from Amazon because there's other businesses that serve the e-commerce space, right? Yeah, exactly. There are other businesses and they did really well in the Netherlands. So the trust here uh, with people is with these companies instead of with Amazon. Amazon is really trying to, but yeah, it's not, it has been great due to the COVID virus and all. It hasn't helped him. <laughs> gotcha. And what, what, what is the, the main company in the Nether Netherlands for e-commerce? Uh, you've like, Bol.com, that's B-O-L.com, and also CoolBlue, that's C-O-O-L, and then blue.nl. Okay. Gotcha. Very cool. So it's just you're going to a different language and taking advantage of that. And what's the population in the Netherlands? Right now it's 16.5 million or something. 16.5 million. Yeah. Okay. So and I just want to emphasize that because there's like – other countries are picking up the Amazon associate. Obviously, there are other e-commerce companies operating in different areas of the country. So if you have the advantage, the huge advantage of speaking multiple languages, or let's say you know you, you can understand English, you can understand me talking, but you mainly can write and communicate in your native language, like take advantage of that. Like 16 million is seems like it would be a small population but you're doing really well. So yeah. th this is just amazing. So any other details with um, just the 
uh, operating in your native language and taking advantage of your, uh, I guess, yeah, advantage I think, to um, be redundant. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important to understand that not only another country is another language, but it is really another country. So the things are working differently there than it for example, in the USA. For example, if you buy a coffee maker in uh, America, then it's not the same model as they have in uh, the Netherlands. So don't go now, translate your whole website and don't change anything about the copy because that won't work. You really need to understand the country that you're working in or going to work in. And I think then is when you can make a big difference in a country that you're, yeah, or not speaking the language of or not living in. That is an excellent point because I think, you know, some people are like, I'll just hire someone from Upwork, get it translated, and then it's, yeah. it won't make sense at all. Okay. Yeah, no, true. I did that. Uh, I hired people through Upwork in the beginning, and then I got like, uh, yeah, several different people translating for me. And uh, the keywords that they used in their copy weren't, weren't matching with the user intent from the people in that country. So yeah, it was not the keyword that people were looking for. So make sure that you understand the people and that you know yeah, what they're looking for. Let's move into the content now. How much content is on that main site? And are you writing it yourself? Do you have some writers you're working with? No, not yet. I'm no. not writing everything myself, yeah. Everything yourself, okay. And how much content is on that site? Uh, I just looked it up and it was like 40, uh, 46 pages and 88 posts. Okay. So something like 120 pieces of content roughly. Yeah. Something like that. Awesome. That's, you know, just amazing revenue from that amount of content. And for, from a keyword research standpoint, what kind mm -hmm. of search volumes are you going for? Are you going for long tail stuff or are you going for some bigger keywords? Yeah, I'm mostly going for the bigger keywords. Um, sometimes I go for long deal stuff. Yeah, the market that I'm in is consumer products, so they want reviews, etc. Uh, that are good long deal keywords because the conversion rate is yeah mostly high there. But apart from that, I only go for like uh, the main keywords, and um, yeah, the search volume volumes really uh, differ much. Like in Germany, it's way bigger because way more people live there, um, so search volume there can go up to like four or 500,000 visitors per month for one keyword. And in uh, the Netherlands, it's like yeah, 20,000 to 40,000. They're where I get my traffic from. Okay, so you're actually ranking for some of these like, you know, quote, fat yeah. tail keywords where maybe it's just the name of the product like DSLR camera. Yeah, true. Amazing. And you know, most of the common wisdom on the English speaking affiliate marketing and digital publisher side is, you know, go for long tail. It's going to take years to rank for something big yeah. like that. So what made you think you could rank for those big keywords? Were you just thinking, Hey, I'm going to give it a shot because it's less competitive because it's a, you know, smaller countries. Yeah, well, uh, that might be the thing, but the websites here are still pretty strong. Like big e-commerce brands still have domain authorities of like 70, 80, maybe 90. So it's still hard to compete with them. But because there are less affiliates here, I think uh, having a different type of content for such big keywords uh, yeah, could rank really well because maybe there is still no content on that keyword like the way I do it. So 
that was that got me thinking like maybe I had I do have a chance and that worked out really well for me I actually gotcha wow yeah that's it's so cool because you don't hear those stories where hey I just started a site and I'm ranking for these keywords that get thousands or tens of thousands of searches per mm -hmm. month all right so back back to content I went off on a tangent mm -hmm. there do you feel like you were a, a strong writer before? Um, some people struggle with, you know, just sitting down and writing a post or not sure where to start. So are you a writer um, by trade? Were you pretty good at it in the past? Yeah, I was pretty good at writing, but still there are a lot of grammar and spelling mistakes in my content. And every time I see them, I just edit them. And yeah, I'm like, everyone can make a mistake. And um, I'm just, yeah practice by doing so yeah <laughs> do you use any tools like grammarly or anything like that or I don't no know not really i tried grammarly exact but uh, yeah it didn't feel like it because in uh, the netherlands it didn't work that well and i thought yeah just stick to my own language it's yeah good understandable and yeah didn't need that after all do you have any templates that you're using specifically for like your reviews, um, any insights mm -hmm. into that part of the process? Kind of. I just, yeah, don't have them actually documented yet. I just have them in my head and I, yeah, start with this and then go with this and then have my own structure and how I build up my page. So, yeah, kind of. Okay. And then, you know, getting into sort of the template idea, do you have any, like, theme that you really like or anything that you always use for each of your sites? Yeah, currently I'm using on every site the uh, Generate Press and then just the block builder, just so no uh, yeah, template uh, template editor or something, just the Genesis block builder. Yeah, so Generate Press seems to be pretty popular. And I take it you have like the premium paid version for that? Yeah, sure. Okay, I do. Gotcha. How about any uh, plugins? Are you using anything for your uh, link management or otherwise? Any favorite plugins? Uh, yeah, there's one. I started using it, I think, last summer. And my conversion uh, yeah, was going up really, really good after that because it's like a plugin where you can uh, display through APIs live your uh, pricing and stock status and so so it's like Content Egg, I think, or Keyword Rush, I think is the brand. Okay, Content Egg, I've heard of that one. Yeah, and like I, when we looked at your site, I remember um, yeah. seeing those displays. So those do look nice. I think a lot of times um, people use Content Egg with a theme called Rehub, but I found Rehub yeah. to be a pretty heavy theme with s so many um, like page builder type things. And it was a little hard for me to use. So, okay. Yeah. So content egg, that's cool. Any other plugins you really enjoy? Mm, not really. I'm just, yeah, trying to don't have that many plugins on my site. Um, so yeah, not really just content egg and the SEO and then one uh, plugin for speed and yeah, just keep it simple and clean. For the content um, team, you said, hey, I haven't gone that route. And that's actually one thing we talked about when mm -hmm. we spoke before in your coaching call. So do you have any plans to bring on some folks or where are you at with having a team? Yeah, well, actually, uh, today I decided that my girlfriend's probably going to work with me because she's still a student. And uh, now she works for 
like a big electronic company, but I'm going to hire her in-house as a writer. So uh, she could go write for me. Okay, cool. <laughs> so keep, keeping it keeping it in the house, that's good. Um, yeah. did, do you have any concerns working with um, your girlfriend? No, I don't think so. We're, yeah, leveling pretty good. And uh, she really understands what I'm doing and very supportive all the time. So yeah, that will work out for sure. <laughs> Is she sitting right next to you? She made you say that? for the podcast listeners he turned the camera around there's no one next to him (laughs) all right any anything else with the content that you think is important that we didn't talk about yet yeah i think content length is becoming more important because uh yeah there are like a lot of websites publishing content and i think content length is yeah don't write short content that's it how long is the content that you're publishing yeah, it's for every page or post, I try more than 2,000 words. Okay. Do you do any analysis for the specific keyword or do yeah. you just aim for the 2,000 and usually that's good? No, I always check uh, if there are other websites that are covering that topic and I'm uh, kind of using the skyscraper technique to make it the best page out there, but also like uh, check the content length and see if there's any room to yeah, make the content better and then the same length or make it longer and better. Got it. Okay. So roughly 2000 words using skyscraper techniques. So you're making sure you're not missing anything. People can Google skyscraper if they haven't heard of that. So pretty cool. Yeah. And then, awesome. uh, one more thing I think that uh, is important uh, in content. If your search volume, like the search volume we talked before, like the big ones, um, is if that's your goal, yeah, make it twice or four times as long as 2,000 words because otherwise I think that won't work. Okay, so the big search volumes, you're gonna have to publish a little bit more. Yeah. All right. Before we move into some of the link building and off-page stuff, I'm going to give a plug for your your new brand, I guess. It's digitalyoungster.com. So there's a landing page out there. And Nigel, I think this is cool. A little bit behind the curtain. A lot of times when I do an interview like this, I do encourage people to set up a, at least a landing page so you can you know, have people contact you. You don't have to do anything with it, but I'm glad you set this up. It looks good. Any thoughts about what might be coming in the future with uh, digitalyoungster.com? Yeah, sure. I'm uh, yeah, having an email list right now um, going to give you updates uh, on yeah how I do things out there and what my uh, income reports are. And also, yeah, give you tips about affiliate marketing and how to rank good content on Google and yeah make your website. Yeah. Go better than it is now. So very good. So we'll, I'm giving you the plug early. So people will actually, mm-hmm. uh, you know, be able to go over to it. I'm not going to bury it at the end. So digitalyoungster.com. There's a link in the uh, show notes. It's just a landing page. So you can sign up and get, um, updates in the future. So that's pretty cool. Now let's move to link building. And I think this is another area where you've done something that a lot of people are not doing now. So what's your link building approach? Yeah, well, in the USA, there are a lot of companies that are you can buy guest posts from or something. So, yeah, you can automate that process. But here in the Netherlands, there are no or few companies like that. So everything, yeah, you need to do it by yourself. And, um, yeah, I figured that 
mailing uh, all those websites with uh, hello, I'm Nigel and uh, look, this is great content. Please link to it. I thought I can do it myself and I'm faster and also have the full control of the anchor text. So actually I used a little bit of a PBN, but uh, then through buying expired domains and linking a few to them uh, together and uh, yeah, then linking back to my, uh, to my website. Okay. So you're using PBNs and can you give us, and th this is a private blog network. And for the people that are unfamiliar, basically you find expired domains and those mm -hmm. are domains that the webmasters have let go. They do not yeah. renew the registration and they're available. And sometimes those companies, those websites have backlinks pointing to them. So they do have some kind of intrinsic value for link building. So this was a technique from years ago. Google really cracked down, but people still do it. It is more risky in a general sense, because if Google identifies your network, then yeah. they will usually uh, either manually penalize your site, or sometimes they'll just say, hey, we're not going to recognize the links from any of these sites, so your, your rankings will drop. So yeah. that is kind of the baseline of what a PBN is, a private blog network. And t tell us about the process of finding expired domains. How do you do it? Yeah, it's really, uh, I use the site expireddomains.net. I think you know it if you looked it up before. You can create account there and then you have more functions to uh, filter these domains. I always uh, look up domains from like 24 hours or 12 hours or uh, before that they dropped. So you're sure you're having a fresh domain because yeah, most of the time the old ones are not the good ones. You need to find a fresh domain that just dropped and that's related to your niche um, in the same language and the incoming uh, anchor text has to be same language, the page language, like I said, and it also has to have uh, yeah, a good link diversification to um, make sure that yeah, Google will not slap them. You can't really make, it, make sure Google will not slap your PBN or your expired domain that you set up. But yeah, make sure that all those things are in place and that the spam score is 1%. The links to that domain are 100% like natural and not really spammy or shy. And I think that's where you have uh, the most chance of yeah accomplishing what I did. I know that website, I used to go to it all the time because I, like I said, I dabbled with PBNs back in the day before I got penalized multiple times. And then I just... I, I hung up that hat and I, I don't mess with them anymore. Do you think that there's less competition for the you know, Netherlands or, or German mm -hmm. expired domains so that you are able to get good domains um, just because there's less people looking for them? Yeah, I think so. I kind of like do know that. That is fact because if I tried to find uh, good English domains in the same way I uh, was looking for like Dutch or German domains, but it's way harder to find good ones that are just dropped out because the most of them are going to auctions or yeah bought by someone else or yeah in other countries I think the competition is very low and you know tying back to I guess the content and just the approach to to go 
with Netherlands and, and Germany and, and languages that you speak, did you have like an epiphany that you were like, this is going to be lower competition. This is definitely going to work. Or you just thought, you know what, I'm going to aim for the language that I speak natively. And then it's worked out so beautifully. Yeah. I thought that was the, the simple option because yeah, you know, I'm 22 and my English is not that good either. So I thought writing a whole website uh, in English is maybe one step too far. So I thought, let's just start with my own country. And then if that's not working, I can always try to go to the English side, but that yeah, was really working so well that I just, yeah, didn't stop doing it. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. It's such, it's simple, right? Just, so yeah. use your native language. It's going to be easier overall. And then you're actually probably making a lot more than you would have if you figured out how to do this in English. So, wow, pretty cool. For the expired domain for people that maybe want to dabble with PBNs, are there any resources, because I'm kind of out of the game, resources that you use specifically for um, understanding how to avoid leaving a footprint so that your PBN perhaps is a little more secure and less risky? Yeah, so tips on how to build a good PBN, so not yeah, be spammy or that Google finds it very quickly. Yeah, always make sure that your uh, domain name is on a new IP address. I always make sure that's the case. If it's the same IP address, like if you have two websites and you repeat the damage you're hosting at the same time, most of the time there will be the same IP address linked to it. And uh, then Google will see very quickly that, yeah, it's a PBN. So make sure that's not the case. And also make sure you don't yeah, be a spammy website. So also every expired domain has to have a contact form on their page and has to have an about us page and a few uh, messages and then you post your link. So be very natural and yeah, not spammy at all actually. So with the different IP addresses, does that imply that you're hosting each one of the domains like at a different hosting company? Yeah, I first did that. And then I found one uh, hosting company that just if I wait for like three days and then register a new domain, it gets automatically a new IP address. Okay. So yeah, it's just one company. And there are, there's a few companies that actually cater to people that need to host PBNs. And mm -hmm. I'll, I'll put a link in our show notes and stuff. But mm -hmm. basically, they have these accounts with a bunch of different hosting companies, and then they're kind of a reseller. And then they'll yeah. allocate your domains to different sites. And then you kind of take advantage of the fact that a bunch of people have PBNs, so it looks a lot more natural. It's funny that like a whole service industry popped up around creating fake networks with fake websites just for link building. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, pretty it crazy. is. So how much content do you publish on the PBN sites? On the PBN sites, not much, to be honest. I think like three or four posts and then like two pages and then not long form content. So yeah, like mostly 700 to 1,000 words per post. And then... Um, yeah, that's it. Not more and not updated frequently. And yeah, it just stands there and it works. Okay. And how many different uh, domains and expired domains do you have in your network? Yeah, like right now, I think uh, 
maybe 80 in my native country and 25 in Germany or something. Okay. And for each one of your sites, do you set up a separate PBN so that basically it spreads the risk? So if one network is identified, it doesn't impact all your sites. It just identifies the the one PBN in the one site? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. exactly. People may be tempted, right? So if you set up a, a one yeah. big uh, network, you're like, oh, I'm just going to link to all my sites. So there's a maximum number of links going everywhere. But what's the issue with that? Did you realize, hey, that's a bad idea? Yeah, well, um, I did realize that's a bad idea. I, I didn't link my PBN sites to each other so that they are yeah raising uh, the domain authority of the others because all the PBNs link to uh, each other. I thought that was very spammy. So I just focused on buying really good expired domains. And I one or twice, I got like a domain with an authority of like 50 or 60. And then I made the choice to yeah link that site to all the other PBN sites, not all the other, but three or four. But for 90% of all these websites, you're just linking to my site. Okay. Very cool. So the one thing that I, I remember when I had my network, which it was uh, maybe just around the size or maybe a little bit bigger, I can't remember, but it's a lot of work to have all these domains. So just everyone imagine having, you know, roughly like a hundred domains where there's basically always every couple of days, there's going to be a new domain registration cost coming through. You potentially yeah. have all these hosting accounts. Like, do you know how many hosting accounts you have total across all those sites? Total, I think like seven or eight, but not more. Okay. So you're able to uh, kick off the other uh, domains. You get a new IP address, but it's still on the same uh, sort of hosting account or hosting company, right? Yeah. Great. Okay. So seven or eight. So that's not too bad. You have roughly um, whatever, like 12 or so domains on each of the hosting accounts. So there's a lot of work. Do you have yeah. uh, sort of yeah. a vision to grow the network more or are you getting to sort of a breaking point of your network management? Yeah, I think I'm not really exponentially growing my network more because I just, I started with a brand new domain and that's something I didn't say before, but the uh, domain that I'm using, that's brand new. So I just registered it in September, 2019. Yeah, what's the deal with that? You don't have authority. You are, I've been in the sandbox and all that kind of thing. So I really had to acquire a lot of links to make, yeah, to pr yeah, prove Google actually that I am an authority in that niche. So when, I achieved that point a few months ago. I stopped doing the PBN stuff or yeah, kind of stopped doing the PBN stuff and really focus on real links and get both and that kind of stuff. So I hope that it all floats in together and then at one point I can remove all the PBN links. So it was really a quick start for me to get good links fast. Okay. So you broke up just a, a little bit there, but basically you said you are planning on getting white hat links to essentially replace the PBN links. Yeah. Okay. Tell us about that plan. It's not really a plan yet, but I do have like kind of an idea on how that should work. First, I have to acquire all those natural links. Uh, so I'm going to do outreach and all that stuff. And then I will just, uh, yeah, 
kind not really duplicate the link, but yeah, remove if I go, I acquire one link to one page, then I can remove one PBN link from that page, if you know what I mean. Okay. And have you thought about, and I don't know the, you know, the, the right way to do this. I've heard different methods. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did, I actually did. Um, I don't know, this probably is during a time when you were in school and you weren't paying attention to internet marketing, but I did something called Project Go White Hat, where essentially mm -hmm. it's exactly what you're talking about. PBNs mm -hmm. were propping up the site. Mm -hmm. My friend and I basically replaced all of those links with guest posts and then sold the site. So you could check that out. Have you thought about just leaving the PBN links and then adding the white hat? And then if you ever run into an issue with a manual penalty, then you could just disavow and remove the links. I'm just curious. Some people would say, just leave them all. And then you could do something about it if you run into an issue. Yeah, I can. But I always think that yeah, preventing to happen from that is way better than uh, yeah, let it happen and then fix it after because Google's always slow and it will hurt your income. So yeah, I want to go natural. But uh, for now, I think it's fine to just leave it there. But in the future, I will uh, yeah, replace it like with natural links. Well said. Google is always trying to find, you know, these link schemes and, and anyone trying to manipulate rankings. So pretty, pretty amazing. I'm, I'm so impressed that you pulled all this together in, you know, just a little over a year. Is there anything else with like the link building or the PBN that you want to add? Maybe people need to be aware of. Yeah. Yeah, I want, um, because PBN only won't be enough for sure. You don't want your whole site to be standing on a PBN network. Make sure you have like, you can post forum links and that kind of stuff. So the links that you can place yourself, do it like brand notations or site notations or comments. Not sure if that works really good, but like the uh, forum things do that. And also, uh, yeah, if you can write a guest post for a site, it's better to have a really natural link scheme uh, instead of only standing on the PBN. So even if the links are not the quality that you want them to be, um, make sure you have links from all the different kinds of, yeah, of sources so that it looks very natural. Okay. And you mentioned forum links there. So can you tell us how someone could do some of those like free link building techniques? Like how, how did you approach the forum links? Yeah, it's just quite easy. Go for like a Google search forum and then your niche keyword in it. And then you'll find some forums where people are uh, yeah, discussing about what you're writing about. And then you can always, if you really answer their question, you can always link to your own site. That's it. It's really that simple. And how many links would you estimate from forums does your site have? I don't know, not really much, maybe one-tenth, something like that, one-tenth. Okay, so maybe like eight or ten, something like that? Uh, yeah, maybe 20, 25. Okay, 20, 25 forum links, and I take it that's you know fairly quick. You just do the search. You may maybe have to do a couple posts so you're not marked as a yeah. spammer. Okay. Exactly. All right. That's, uh, that's probably something you can potentially outsource to depending on, I, I imagine there are people on Upwork or otherwise that mm -hmm. specialize in doing that kind of work. Very True. Cool. But, but you did it all yourself, right? Yeah. And that's where I think that 
you have the power of yourself, so you can control everything you do yourself. And if you go and hire someone to Upwork, true, it's uh, the time you save, but then uh, you always have to check their work and guide the people to yeah how to do it. And it's always a bit of a hassle. So I think for those little things, just do it yourself. Go for like a few hours, do only that, and then you will have a couple of links made. Got it. All right. Well, this is uh, an amazing story. Can you tell us how this has impacted your life? Um, I know, obviously, you mentioned you, you quit school, so that's big. But what are some other areas where this is really making a big difference for you? Yeah, well, right now I'm working in uh, an office, a co-working space, kind of. Yeah, there is coronavirus now, so I can't do really much than sitting at home watching Netflix or working or, yeah, everything is closed here too. Yeah, it's really, uh, yeah. I changed my life in quitting school and I also first had a part-time job. I quit that, so now I'm full-time affiliate marketing. And the, the good thing of that is that you can really make your own time scheme. You can yeah do whenever you want, whatever you want. Because, yeah, if you write a post today, you can publish it for next week or tomorrow. So you can take more tomorrow or next week off. And that's a privilege I didn't have with like part-time job or school. So that had big impact on my life. Awesome. Very cool. Well, people can uh, definitely follow along with the stuff you're doing over at digitalyoungster.com. And over there, you're going to be keeping people up to date with... Um, your income, some other details and stuff like that. So any blog post or anything coming up where you're like, oh, I'm definitely going to do that. Just curious. Yeah. In the future, I'm definitely going to uh, yeah, make a blog and uh, give more tips and yeah, really teach people how to do the affiliate marketing thing. Uh, for now, I think I'll just stick to my email list and uh, yeah, give lots of tips through there because I think right now that's where I can give uh, value and I also need the time to invest in my own site. So uh, putting up a whole new blog to yeah to do that that's a bit of time consuming right now. Awesome. Well, looking forward to hearing where where you're going and everything that you're doing. So would love to have you back on to check in in a few months. So sure. thanks, Nigel. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, luck. Thank you. Thanks to Nigel and be sure to head over to Digital Youngster if you want to sign up for his email list so you can stay up to date with what he's working on. I am looking forward to getting updates from him myself, hopefully for other interviews for the show here. And when we peel back what's going on, like I said at the beginning, these are fairly simple, straightforward ideas. He's publishing in his native language. He's writing the content himself. After we stopped recording, we kind of talked about like how much it cost because he was doing this work himself. It was very little. I mean, he's paying for like the domains and uh, probably a couple tools here and there, but overall, He's writing the content himself, and it's not perfect, but it's good enough. He's obviously using some strong link building techniques with a private blog network, and if people are interested out there in hearing more about private blog networks, I don't do that myself anymore. It became complicated, and I kept, you know, back in the day, back in 20. 
2013, 2014, and I think I probably hung up everything on the private blog network by that time, but I got several manual penalties and it's just a drag. It's heartbreaking to put all this effort into a project, put all this effort into anything and to just have it blown up. The fact is I was a beginner at that time and I was just following along and emulating and copying what my mentors from afar were doing. I was following along with people's blogs, following along with exactly what they were doing. And frankly, if you go back and and read some of those blog posts, which if you're a subscriber of the show, you probably realize I'm doing the content audit. So a lot of this content on my site is probably going to be gone before too long. And probably a lot of the content on other blogs is gone at this point too. But basically I was following along with people that were ahead of me, people that were smarter than me. And I was doing exactly what they said as far as private blog networks. I was also buying links from the same services and companies that other people were buying those links from. So it was really easy to identify these footprints. So there really isn't anything really new or really exotic. It's just some classic ideas that do work and Nigel is implementing them in a smart way. The combination is working out really well. It reminds me of the tropical MBA concept of rip, pivot, and jam. I've talked about this on some previous episodes a long time ago, but if you you know Google this and listen to the Tropical MBA podcast, one of my favorites, if you haven't checked it out, do check it out. The idea is to identify something that is working and you rip that idea, you pivot to another area and that could be going to another language like Nigel did in this case, or it could be going to a different industry and then you jam on it because a lot of times when you take an idea, you pivot to another area, it's not going to work out exactly like you think. Usually things are not as easy as they seem. It takes a little longer and you will have to tweak. You'll have to adjust. And that is just the way, you know, most things end up working. If you try to just apply something straight out of the box, it may not work exactly how you need it to. You have to customize it. You have to be flexible. Take the feedback that you're getting from the real life system that you're implementing and then adjust from there. So with a rip, pivot, and jam I mean, that's just what we're seeing here. I'll try to think of another example of what a a rip, pivot, and jam may be. Here's an easy example and maybe not very creative on my part because it's just taking the idea that we just talked about and applying it. We have probably seen that there are many link building and other related marketing companies out there that serve the English-speaking world. Obviously, there are many different languages out there and many people in the audience here have either skills where they speak multiple languages or English is not your native language. Potentially, you have the opportunity to pick up expired domains, create a network where you could maybe sell links on it, right? You could also, if you want to do a white hat route, there's a lot of link building services that do guest posting or general outreach. You can do that in whatever language you want to do. So I don't know if that sentence was grammatically correct, but you get the idea. Essentially, you could just take a service that is working really well, do it in a different language. 
let's take it one step further, right? There's content agencies. A lot of these agencies out there will do general marketing. Sometimes that's SEO. Sometimes it's content and they take care of everything for you. So you don't have to worry about it. And you could hire a bunch of writers that don't write in English, but they write in another language. I have a feeling after this episode goes live, there's going to be a bunch of people trying to figure out how they can migrate or translate their sites into different languages. It seems like a pretty smart thing to do. Now, I'm not looking into it myself. I'm trying to do less projects and work on less projects at one time. I have a bunch of plates spinning and I'm just trying to relax a little bit more, to be honest with you. So Rip, Pivot and Jam, look it up, think about it. You know, you don't have to take any action on it today, but as you're going through your day-to-day, maybe you review your business on a quarterly basis, maybe that's something you could think about. How can you take something that is working for you right now and execute it in some other area where you are pivoting into either a market that's different or an industry that's different? I will end it here so I don't ramble on too long. Thanks to Nigel again, and we'll catch you on the next episode. 